Welcome to the Ditch the Suits podcast, where we get real about the stuff no one in the financial world wants you to know about. Learn how you can better manage your family's wealth while protecting it from financial exploitation and so-called financial advisors. Here's to your financial awakening. Welcome your host, Steve Campbell and Travis Moss. Well, welcome to another episode of Ditch the Suits Podcast. I'm Steve Campbell here with Travis Moss. In our last episode, we talked about this idea of change and why change can be so difficult. The reason we had to have the conversation is we laid several episodes talking about the fact that you operate a money business, whether you know it or not. We gave you a lot of ideas to think about, but then actually starting to implement those changes can be almost as difficult about the conception of it. In our last episode, though, we talked about this concept of chaos. It's a word that typically you don't think of in a, in a positive way when you think about change. So today we want to talk about un, unleashing positive chaos into your story so that you can bring lasting impact and change. So for this discussion, when we say the word chaos, we want you to think of the ultimate positive in your life. That might take some adjustments. So Travis, lay the groundwork for us. When we say chaos, what do we want to start to think in terms of? Chaos is allowing ourselves to let the unexpected happen. And we're going to use the what if and how might we questions that we talked about at the end of the last podcast. We're going to use those questions as kind of tethers. So mm-hmm. chaos being this thing we talked about, dump a glass of water, the water goes wherever it goes. Chaos being this wild thing that's going to make a mess. But we're going to tether it. So we know how big this chaos is going to get. We can control it. We're only going to let it happen in a controlled part of our life. So we're going to say, here's something I'm going to work on. I'm going to introduce some chaos right there because I need to kind of open up the options. Mm -hmm. But that's I'm going to keep it to that space. So we're going to actually talk about how to do that. So these are things that if you're listening along, these are actually things that we teach people how to do that we do every day in our business. Um, I do them in my personal life. Uh, We try to help clients do them. If you're, if you own a company or are a business manager or a team leader or on a board of directors, or it's, you're doing this for yourself or for your family. These are things I think that you can take and work on whatever is holding your, you back. Remember, we need the chaos. We need the change agent to get us to stop procrastinating or, or not doing the things that we need to do because either we don't know how or you know we're afraid of the repercussions for whatever reason and the, the incredible thing about and this is this is my concept now but the incredible thing about self improvement is i think it if you think about self improvement on a timeline and self improvement your business and whatever thing that you're trying to improve that has a self improvement timeline so just think about it like any other timeline and spread your arms as wide as you can and finger to finger, that's your timeline. And on the left-hand side is, is where you start. And so that is about as basic as you could possibly be. And on the right-hand side is as advanced as you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And your goal is to move from left to right to get as far advanced as you can. Yep. And whatever you're doing, most of us are actually wired like that. We just want to get better, right? Right. The problem in the beautiful part of improvement or self-improvement or looking for things to move the ball forward is the more successful you are, the more you figure out how to 
change, to improve, to grow, the more you realize how much further you can get. So you actually yeah. never get closer to the right-hand side. Right. So wherever you start on that left-hand side, maybe you're in the middle, maybe you've done a pretty good job and you feel really good about where you are in life and you've done a, you know, you're just, everything's pretty good, but you're trying to figure out, I, I want more, I want to do more, I want to become more. Or my team, I, I think my team can do better. How do I get them to do better? So you want to get further to the right. So it doesn't matter if you start in the middle or if you start all the way on the left side, you, you want to get more to the right side. And, it, and, and nobody is perfect. So there's nobody completely on the right-hand side. Yep. You're trying to move that needle. And no matter how hard you move that needle, if you're being honest and you're looking at it, you're always finding more things that you can do to grow. So mm -hmm. you're, always, you're always essentially where you are. Um, but I think that that's important because you have to, as we go down through how to use these tools, uh, the, these tethers to control chaos, chaos being the tool, as we go through how to do this, there has to be a certain amount of humbleness, I think, and introspection because we have to be honest with ourselves what we do and don't know and the values that others can bring to us through this process because right. this is... This is not a path you can walk alone. Nobody, you know, I, I I don't know anybody anyway who can continually grow without any outside influence at all. Right. And so we're going to talk about how do we include others to help us essentially find paths forward that we otherwise would have never seen. So we're going to actually create, you know, allow some chaos to happen, mm -hmm. include others in that process. Yep. But keep it structured enough so that it actually makes sense and it right. doesn't disrupt, you know, much else that's going on around us. Yep. Um, and we're going to go through some actual real examples of how to do that. And I, and I will use some examples. Um, it's easy to say when we use some of these examples, well, that would never, you know, that's not my situation. That would never happen to me. We do that all the time. You know, when you're young, you're Superman, you're never going to get you know, any disease, you're never going to get diabetes. You're never going to not be able to work. You're never going to get in a car accident and then things happen. Right. right. So we're going to use questions kind of from a forced perspective. If this was forced upon me, what would I do? So I'm pretty excited to get into this with you. Well, and I think to, to, to allow yourself to be really creative, we've, we've said this in prior podcasts, you have to eliminate words like always, like never, and these are simple things that we find our, ourselves saying. You always do this this way. You've been in meetings where you have the same meeting with your team members and you're looking for different results, but you have the same exact style of meeting and this is how we've always done it. If you're going to be really creative, you have to eliminate those words. And we're not trying to give you these super lofty, wacky, what are these two talking about using these tethers? These are things that we've actually done within our team that have produced some of the greatest unexpected answers that we never knew were right in front of us. So we're talking from a place of actually knowing and implementing these things ourselves that can help you. As Travis said, if you own a business, if you're a team member, if you're just talking about your own life and personal finance. And I think it's key to give these examples because so many people can listen to podcasts or want to, um, I think, drink as much information out there as possible, but be left with a lot of influencers that give very vague concepts, but never actually show you how to do it. And so in this next segment, we want to give you some actual real examples that if you'll take the time and think about them and implement, I think can lead to some real positive, impactful change so that you're not walking away going, I love everything that they're saying. They're raising a lot of the right 
things that, that resonate with me, but how do I actually go do all of this stuff? So in this next segment, we want to give you some of these examples and, and we think it's going to be a lot of fun. So before we even jump into some examples, you know, this isn't just lip service that Travis and I are trying to give you. These are things that we actually implement as a part of our team and our culture every day uh, that help us press the envelope to be disruptors, to bring that positive chaos into our workplace and business. So Travis, why don't you help the listener explain how we've done this, what this looks like, and how we've utilized this concept to really bring about positive, uh, lasting change. Right. So when we first started as a business, it wasn't always like it is now. It was pretty much, we had some dominating, me being one of them personalities on the team. And that was kind of everybody else's voice kind of got drowned out. And as we started to grow and the business becomes more dynamic, you know, any anybody who has all the answers probably doesn't have very many answers at all type of thing. Yep. We had um, brought in somebody, Kayla, we mentioned her in the last one, who had a really strong academic background in what we call here facilitation, but it's um, a unique method of bringing out ideas or putting together ideas or let's say chilling out a group of pretty diverse A type of personalities. We have a tendency in our business to attract a lot of A type of personalities, people who are strong-willed, strong ideas. And then also, you know, at least a third, maybe half of it is our support-oriented people that really kind of want to keep everybody happy mm -hmm. and, and help build stuff behind the scenes. So what happens is, is we got a lot of people kind of talking over each other and then a lot of people not saying anything at all. So... <laughs> Here we are, we're trying to grow. We've got a lot of dominating personalities. We've got a lot of people that are passive and not bringing up stuff that should be brought up. And we bring Kaylin, who has these unique skills in facilitation or allowing everybody at the table, regardless of the personality type or regardless of their position, to be able to bring value to the discussion. And not like one of those meetings, if you have them at work where you always go in and you sit down and there's the agenda and you go through the agenda and your sales numbers and all that kind of stuff. And at the end of the meeting, it's the same like every other meeting you go, that was a waste of time. No, this is actual like coming up with an idea and then actually implementing the idea and then seeing the idea come through fruition and then seeing that grow into a new idea and continue to snowball. So when she came in, she taught us some ways to say, I've got a problem. I don't understand something or I'm trying to figure out how to move forward or I think we should move forward. But there's a bunch of other people out there that can probably bring perspective to this that at least I should account for. Right. And over the years, we've been able to really fine tune it to something that went started from kind of an open-ended conversation to, we'll talk about this later, an open-ended conversation that kind of branches off with closed-end conversations, meaning it's, it's an ongoing dialogue about how we can grow and improve on that improvement timeline. Yep. But there's little notches on it where we actually achieve stuff. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talk and talk and talk and talk. Businesses talk and talk, and they don't do anything. They never put their money where their mouth is. We actually achieve stuff. We get stuff crossed off the list because we figured that out. Right. So we figured out how to include everybody in the conversation Yep. Which is, which is, again, think about it. If you've got, let's say you've got AA type of personalities and A8 subservient type of personalities. So you have eight people talking over each other and eight people not saying anything. That's chaotic, right? 
nobody's normally you just end up in a lot of organizations just a bunch of fighting and right. nobody ever actually gets anything done. Here we figured out how to meld all of that, come up with some pretty incredible ideas, regardless of who comes up with them, and actually implement them. So on that timeline, we actually are, you know, putting notches in that and getting things done. And that and that's really a testament to even Kayla, who came in with this concept of the facilitation and right. then being open enough to continue to improve her process which yeah. is a really hard thing to do when you've got, you know, when you're really good at something and you're like, this is, is this is super good and cutting edge. And then we come up with ways to change it. Yep. I mean, that, th- that takes a lot of personal fortitude to say, yeah, let's go. Like, I'm, I'm cool. Let's, let's, let's try something new, see if we can make it better. Yep. So anyway, I want to talk about how we, how we've done that because mm-hmm. that'll get us to the, the, we'll do a kind of a little bit of a, a, par- a parody between an individual, because not everybody here is a business owner or, or a manager or somebody leading a group. So we'll do a parity between um, what we do as a business. And then if I were to think about myself in the shoes of a client. So if I was in the shoes of a client, I would say, what if I was forced to retire or um, forced out of work tomorrow? And that's a good question everybody should have anyway, right? So we should all be thinking, do I, you know, if, if I can't make money tomorrow, what do I do? Yep. I lose my job. What do I do? If I get disabled, if I died, if I got divorced, if my I had to sell my business, if my business closed, if there's regulations, COVID hit, and I'm not allowed to go to work, what happens? It's just a contingency plan. It's a little bit about what financial planning is about. But anyway, even in business, you have to do that. What if my yeah. revenue stream's disrupted? What if I lose a client? What what have you? I always have to be thinking about that. What if, right? So I'm going to say forced in there because some people might be thinking, well. <laughs> I, I don't have to worry about that. I'm really healthy, you know, and, and I've got all my ducks in a row. And listen, nobody has a crystal ball. Stuff's going to happen in life you never thought would happen to you. And it happens when you least expect it. So if you're not planning for it, you're going to be surprised when it happens. And it's going to be even more devastating. So yep. just play along with it. What if you were going to retire tomorrow? Pretend it's 10 years from now if you need to. But what if you were going to retire and it was imminent? how we would approach this as a business. What if I was going to do anything as a business? We put together an advisory group or an advisory board, if you will. And so individuals can do this. You could go get a group of people. So who are the group of people that we put together? The first thing I look for are people with contrasting perspectives. Mm -hmm. I want the optimist and the pessimist. I want the A-type and the calculating kind of reserve type. Right. I want the accountant in the room as much as I want the cheerleader. I want people who maybe understand. Like if I'm thinking about what if I retired, I need somebody in there who understands what it means to retire. Mm-hmm. Now, it could be what it means to retire from a emotional standpoint and a life choices standpoint. And what do I do when I'm done? And am I really going to be happy if my only thing that I do is golf? Is that going to fulfill me or do I need more than that? And I also need somebody from a financial side. Can I pay the bills if I retire? Right. Um, there's all kinds of perspectives that I need to bring in on this. So I'm going to create this group and I maybe family. Does my family want me to retire? <laughs> Do they want to see more of me? Do they want to see less of me? Um, what does you know the, the, the impact of me being more available do for them? So I'm going to put together an advisory board and there's no right or wrong amount of people to have on your advisory board. You could have, I think you need more than one. Yep. And I don't think you can do this alone. Mm-hmm. If 
if you want to change your perspective about things and you want to change what you're doing, it's really hard to do it if you're the only one who knows about it. Yep. It's too easy just to not do it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, making a promise to yourself. If you break it, hey, nobody else is going to pay for it, right? Plus, you only know what you know. So you got to let other people in a little bit. And as you were talking, I can't help but think we all have, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, friends in our life that tell us what we want to hear. You don't want an advisory board of just people that let you know what you want to hear because you may not see other perspectives. You want those people that are going to give you the counterintuitive ways. So we're talking about this idea of an advisory board being this group of people with different backgrounds, different perspectives. But whether you're a business or an individual, what do you actually do with it? So you made a great point. No yes men allowed. Like when you put together your advisory board and you bring these different people with different perspectives together, you're not looking for people that just kind of roll over every time. They'll just, they'll do anything that you say. Right. You're looking for people that have maybe their own ideas or you're going to give them permission to have their own ideas. So you get this group of people together. You're trying to collect different perspectives. So how do you do that? The next thing you do is you create the what if question. So in this one, I already gave it to us. What if something happened and I was forced to retire tomorrow? That's the question. Mm -hmm. So you're literally asking everybody else, what if this happened? What and and what's next? So the goal of the group, and there's a lot of different ways to do this. Um, Kayla loves to. I, this is where it gets really chaotic. She loves to cover the wall with sticky notes. Mm-hmm. I like to do it. We have some glass walls in our office. I like to do it with different colored markers that you can, you know, dry erase markers. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get as many ideas of. Anything that could be a what if circum, you know, um, uh, result of you being forced to retire, I would be depressed. I would be excited. I would play golf. I would get to see my parents more often. I would be broke. I would, you know, all these different things. I would get a second job. I would start a business. All these different things that you could possibly think of. That has nothing to do. It doesn't necessarily, and people get confused with this. They think retirement is just about if they have enough money. Right. No, retirement's complex. Mm-hmm. You got time on your hands. You got money, you got health, you got family, you got other people with other agendas. There's all kinds of stuff involved there. So what you're really trying to figure out is, and, and you're asking everybody to do this for you. So you're participating on this, but you're asking everybody else. And, and you're not taking turns. You're just saying, hey, on this wall here, so whether you're using like the sticky notes like Kayla does or you're using markers or whatever you're doing, let's put as many ideas on here of what that could mean. Mm-hmm. And you're limiting it to, when we first started doing this, everybody would write like novels. <laughs> They'd write like a paragraph about what if. And then the goal and and something that Kayla always pushed us on was getting it down to a couple of words. So you're really trying to, in five words or less, get your point across. Right. And so everybody who you've invited to come and share perspective with you or share their ideas or their knowledge or their experience, you're asking them to put as much up there on, on the wall 
as possible. As many, you know, circumstances that would result or feelings or emotions or uh, events that would happen or things that you should consider as possible up on that wall. So you put together the group. You're looking for as much diversity of thought as possible. You're looking for people who aren't afraid to, to, to throw out the challenging question. <laughs> what are you going to do with your free time? Because you're a go, go, go person and you're going to be bored out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want somebody who's willing to throw that out to get you thinking about it. And you're going to notice when you look up on there, when you, when you stand back and you're, gonna, you're doing this all over a short amount of time, you step back and you look at it, you're going to notice that there's some stuff on there you didn't think about. Right. There's probably going to be a lot of stuff on there you didn't think about. And there's going to be some stuff on there that's duplicative, right? It's the same. Everybody put the same idea on there, a couple of the same ideas. That's probably because those are, you know, the stuff you got to make sure you check off the box. Yep. But then there's going to be some other things you go, I never thought about that. And then there's going to be some things that really stand out. They go, oh my gosh, yeah, I never thought about that. And that's super important. But you haven't done this before. So if you're relying on your own knowledge about retirement, to figure out how to retire or what it's going to be like in retirement or what you need to think about in retirement, you're going to fail at it because you've never done it before. Right. So you got to allow all that in. So you're looking at the board and you're seeing all these different ideas about your forced retirement. And now you got to put them in order somehow because it's just a mess. There's essentially words or phrases all over every place. Um, well, and before you even, before you even get into talking about prioritizing, let's go back to why we're doing it this way. The traditional, we've all been there. I'm going to paint the picture for you. You're in a boardroom with your colleagues sitting around a table. We have an issue. We have a problem within the company culture, Mm -hmm. how we're going to grow and expand. You go from right to left. Travis, what do you think we need to do? Travis has done Steve. Now, what do you think we have to do? So you're, you're being influenced, whether you know it by the person who just spoke before you, you don't want to speak out of turn. So what happens is you have charismatic people mixed with people that are more introverted, and you don't get the best of what everybody has to offer. This concept sounds so elementary, and when you walk in and you have these post-it notes all over the wall, it's like, is this, what are we doing, trust falls? This seems so elementary in nature, but if we go back to it, sometimes the greatest visionary momentums are the things laying in plain sight. Uh, practically, you know, if you, if it's hard for you, you, maybe you have friends all over the country and they're not all in the same place. These could be colleagues from college or whatever. Use zoom, use platforms like this, connect with people. It doesn't have to be in the same physical room necessarily, but what you're doing is you're getting a collective consciousness of people that what we have seen in our business, we'll come up with this concept in this. We're using, what if I was forced to retire? Maybe for us, it's a business concept we're coming up with. You put this question up there, and then it's amazing to see the the mix of people on our team, some that are more outspoken alpha personalities, some that are more behind the scenes, but are just as yep. creative. Just the way they show it is very different. All of a sudden, you start seeing people put these ideas up on the board, which you stand back and you go, huh, I did look at that. I, I would have never thought that. And so instead of just talking at each other across the table, which is what traditionally we do in business, I'm going to talk at you and try to win you over. You're not trying to win anybody over. You are trying to come up with gut reaction. When you hear something, what do you write down? And it's those first thoughts that that's what gives us instinct. And when you see a collectiveness, maybe this is two people, five people, 10 people, what have you, of different personalities, 
uh, some that are more optimistic, some more pessimistic. Have you thought about this? It balances each other. But before you even start to prioritize this, what this also does too, I want you to think about this individually. If you're not talking about a business and you're not talking about a team culture, maybe just you and your spouse, maybe you know you're the more dominant person when you speak. Maybe you've gone and talked to a financial person and they ask you, what does retirement look like? And you're the one that 99% of the time talks and maybe they turn to your spouse and go, now, what do you think? And they go, yeah, whatever they said. Right. You're, you're missing <laughs> out on what makes that person that person. And what happens is we've been talking this entire time that if you don't know the answers to what if I was forced to retire and you just go speak with a professional, they're probably going to sell you a product to overcome the fear that you have. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about thinking differently about things that are sometimes forced upon us in a way we we haven't before, that I would love to see a movement of people that take this really wacky concept that I tell you works, where you get different people together, putting a concept up on the wall or on a screen, and you just have different people sharing the first thing that comes to their mind. And it's being put together in a hodgepodge before you start prioritizing. You will be amazed at the interconnectedness of concepts that you would have never seen otherwise. And if you're married, if you have a significant other, you can do this within your own marriage. So it gets both of you on a level playing field because there may be things that your spouse has never said out loud because maybe truthfully, they just don't have the space to do it. They don't feel that their opinion is validated or they don't really know what they're talking about. So they don't want to say anything. You may be missing opportunities that bleed into positive culture. And I think what's made our team really successful is instead of having board meeting rooms where eight people talk and eight people sit quiet, we come out and no one loves their job. You have 16 people, 24 people coming out of a conference room, feeling alive, feeling valued, feeling appreciated, because maybe it was their idea. Maybe they're the introvert. And it was their idea that actually sprung forth a conversation. So we have all these ideas. We have these what if scenarios addressed, but then how do you begin to prioritize these to really know what goes first? We tend to get stuck in the sand a little bit with a lot of times what we think is the most important because it's, if we're interested in it, um, we're normally going to give it more priority. So Mm -hmm. if I'm really interested in talking about how I can travel more often, I'm going to say, let's make a list of all the places I want to travel. If I'm really nervous about money, I might say first, let's figure out what our budget is so we can understand how much we have so that that we can spend on travel. Yep. Um, so there's two different ways to start there. And I don't think that there's a right or a wrong way necessarily. I mm-hmm. think that if you are really driven from, I really want to be able to travel a lot. And, I, and all I think about when I go to bed at night is all the places I want to go. And here's the list of places I want to go. Then... Clearly understanding that is important and what that might cost and all that type of thing, because you need to somehow create, you know, the financial and the personal planning around making that happen. So you're starting with the end goal in sight. If you say, look, I know I want to travel. I don't know exactly how much or exactly where. um, And I don't want to have to worry about money. Then I have to start with the financial part of it first. Yep. Um, and maybe figure out what the budget is that I can then put towards travel. And then I can figure out where I can afford to go with that. And it, it's not always money and travel and stuff like that. It could be relocation. It could be, I want to spend more time with family. 
It could be there's an age discrepancy between the spouses and one spouse is going to work and one isn't. And, you know, how do you navigate that? It could be, I have to take care of my parents. It could be a lot of different things, but the point is, is yeah, you have to take maybe that, you know, that thing that really has to be, get some, some of the center of attention stuff. Uh, and that's, that's where you're starting. So, and I, and I, and a question like, well, I can't figure out if I need to figure out my finances first or figure out my travel plans first. As funny as that sounds, it seems like it'd be obvious. Figure out your finances first. It could be something like, well, I need to figure out how much money I actually need in the first place because before I can figure out how to save that much money. Well, and I think what you're talking about is it's no right or wrong answer because it's a chicken and an egg. My brain and your brain work very differently. Right. My spouse's brain and my brain work very differently. Whereas um, if she wanted to say, I'd love to travel, how might we do that? And I say, I need a budget so that I can know how we can travel. Those aren't, those aren't bad ways of getting to hopefully a similar response. It's just my brain may need to know the semantics in what we have so I can feel comfortable. In one of our podcast episodes, we talked about savers and spenders. You may have a spender that says, I just want to get out of here. I want to go to this place where somebody that's a saver says, well, how are we going to afford to do that? Mm-hmm. That's This gets the two of you to the same place by thinking about how might we, you know, when you're talking about this retirement question, do I come up with what I would do after work? And then the finances will follow what that means to me? Or should I come up with the finances first? And then once I understand that piece, now I know what life after work can look like. There's not a right or wrong answer, but as you prioritize these, it will help your brain start to figure out, I think, your level of comfort and how you begin to make decisions along those lines. Well, there, there is a little bit of a filter there because we mentioned that you might be sticking on something that's really important. And it might right. be important, but it might not be time sensitive. And this is one of the, and I, I, I've seen this a lot as a planner. And this is one of the things that sometimes having that outside perspective will help you put it in more in context where, you could come in and those are your competing priorities is the finances and the travel plans, but you are specifically interested in talking to somebody about your investment plan. Mm-hmm. That is not even a priority yet because number one, you don't know what your financials are looking like yep, and you don't know what you need based on what you want to do. So why the heck are you talking about an investment plan? Right. Investment plans need structure. Yep. Otherwise, People are going to not make you very happy. You're going to get investments that, you know, have a tendency to underperform or perform in the wrong direction, you know, because there's not enough guidance for them. Mm-hmm. So you have to come up with where am I going for, where am I starting from? Where am I going? I have to have the foundation before I jump ahead. I've, I've seen people, I need to buy life insurance. What do you need to buy life insurance for in case I die? Okay. But that's important. It's not as timely as figuring out what do you currently have if something happened to you? <laughs> How would it look? Do you even have a will? Right? There's a lot of things that you, you maybe need to address before you do some of the um, the action items, if you will, some of the more closed-end things. Like, So a great example is this whole discussion about travel, where do I want to go and stuff. If finance comes first and the the travel is kind of an open-ended thing, well, along the way, you might need to have a financial plan and you might need to have a tax management plan and you might need to have a risk contingency plan that goes along with that. So it's you just kind of build it out from there. Well, and I don't know that a lot of this is necessarily consciously people 
maybe focusing on the wrong thing as much as there's not a lot out there in terms of financial education and where to go for help. So people tend to focus on the things that they typically hear or think are really important. Like I got to figure out my investments because what if the market crashes? Okay, that's top of mind to you. But what you're really talking about this concept of wealth to you is you want to be able to travel and see the world. So when you're talking about prioritizing concepts, if you've told us that that part is really important to you, then we need to understand what that looks like to build that foundation and then understand how do the investments play into that, but not letting that be the lead, right? And I think it's just, this is where we've talked about rethinking how we think about things. Uh, That may be, what do you mean? No one's ever talked about that. We hear that so many times with clients we work with. No one has ever asked me these kinds of questions. Well, that's why we're really disruptive because what you're trying to get to an endpoint actually has much farther back starting points than you even realize. And for us to be able to do justice to help you solve the thing that you're trying to solve, we first have to lay the groundwork for these things that maybe you haven't thought about before with much depth because they will then help you achieve the thing you're trying to do. So these can sound like really simple elementary type things, but until you've ever brought people into the money business that you're running, that can help you think through in a creative way what it is you're trying to solve, it can seem overwhelming because there's really not a blueprint out there as to how to start these kind of conversations. So I think everybody's been in a situation, either in their home life or at work, where, or maybe with their friends, where there are just certain people that will fight for the sake of fighting. They're just going to argue for the sake of arguing. It's just kind of how they're wired. They're always going to try to prove their point. They're always going to try to be the last word, the last man standing on something. I personally have a friend and a coworker uh, that we will both fight literally on the same side of an issue. We, we completely agree with each other, but one of our interpretation is just slightly off of what the other person is saying. Right. And we will argue for the interpretation of exactly the same point that we are trying to make. And it's so counterproductive and you don't get anywhere. Well, think about it. How many times do spouses, families, parents and kids, uh, coworkers, managers, bosses, you know, people at work get in disagreements? And it was about like just about absolutely nothing other than, you know, you had talked about going around the boardroom and having charismatic people and more reserved people. And, and, you know, a lot of times work is a political environment or even home life can be a political environment. You, you like somebody more than you like somebody else that particular day. And, and, you know, you're, you're going to agree with them because it's easier to agree with them or um, you're trying to win some extra points. And so what we're talking about avoids those situations. Mm -hmm. It actually, I have never, ever, in all the facilitations we've done, and we've got to be, I mean, we're getting up there now because we do them all the time. That's how we do all our meetings now. Literally every meeting. All the disagreements went away. We don't have any disagreements anymore. Yep. I mean, it's just because we figured it out the secret. Yep. We're going to talk about that. But um, it's the open-end, closed-end approach that we're going to talk about. Again, back to that timeline. We're going to have a long conversation that maybe never ends, but we're going to have little notches built in there where we're achieving things. Mm-hmm. We're coming to something where we're saying, ah, I could do that. And we're getting it off the, the list of things to do. So that's the categorize and prioritize. When you just look at the one, you got all these things that you need to start thinking about now. 
and you just look at it. And even if you wrote them all down on a piece of paper, you've got 200 things. You're thinking that's just chaos. That's, that's, that's a mess. I don't know where I'm even supposed to go with that. All right. So categorize them. Let's, 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 let's group them up. Yep. Are there things on there that literally go together? Are there yep. things on there that are emotionally oriented? Are there things on there that are financially oriented? Are there things on there that are hobby oriented? Group them up a little bit. Are there um, specific things that right from the get-go are the most flashing? Like, I don't have any money in my checking account. How am I going to pay the bills? Yep. Okay. That's a, hey, we got to get to that first, right? We're pretty quick. That's a short term. Maybe I got to address that while I figure out my long-term plan type of thing. So you're going to look on that board and you're going to see certain things that naturally go together. In fact, you're going to want to take everything on that board. And you're going to want to group them in some way. You may have, and the more groups you have, I, you know, I think is better. You don't want normally two groups because it probably means you're not really looking at how things are related together as much. Or if you have two groups, you might have some subgroups in it, but you're going to group some things together. Yep. So you're going to put these things together and you're going to figure out, okay, what do I absolutely have to do first? The reason why you're looking at what has to come first, you got to do the foundation. People get confused by this. The, our financial planning process that we use with clients was structured a certain way on purpose. We do everything in like two week periods. Yep. And we start with the foundation and we build up to, you, you know, things that are influenced by the decisions you've already made, as opposed <laughs> to doing things and then having go back and adjust the foundation later, yep. build a strong foundation first. So you got to do the things that go in the front. You don't build a house by the roof. You know, you don't start with the roof and then build the, the, the uh, basement. You start with the basement and you go up. So you have to do that with this too. You're going to start with the foundation. What are the things that need to get done first so that I can start to make other decisions? Mm-hmm. The team can help you with this. You've got, there's all this stuff on the board. It's not necessarily just on you. If you've got an advisory board to figure out how to organize them, have everybody help you organize them. What patterns do they see? Put them in order categorically and then have the team vote on it. What's what's a priority here? You right. might think that something's a priority that frankly is just not important, period. It happens all the time. It's important to you. Yep. Which Which, okay, that is important, but it's not important in the grand scheme of, whether or not you're going to be successful and able to pay your bills tomorrow, yep. right? I mean, it's, it's, it's important to get to, but it's not time-sensitive importance, I guess, is more what I'm going for. Have the team help you put these things in order. Mm-hmm. And again, if you're doing this in, in you know, some of the ways that we teach how to do it, you're, there's not going to be any fighting about it. It's just perspective. And maybe every now and then a group vote type of thing. <laughs> group votes are great in that in that atmosphere because nobody feels like they can be wrong. So we're going to look at what needs to be built first for the foundation. Then you've got this team of people around you. What needs to be done to get the top priorities done? Mm-hmm. Who do you need to help? Maybe there's still unanswered questions and we haven't got to the how might we question yet, which is where you go next. It's still the what if. So the what if has created these categories of things that you need to address and you've figured out what the first things are that you need to address. And now we've got to figure out, okay, who's going to help me address that? 
So now you might, it might be the same advisory board. It might be a subset of it. If it's a financial thing, probably don't need everybody. You might need financial people. There might be people that aren't on your team that you need to go out and employ and help you. Maybe you need to make a financial plan. Maybe you don't have anybody you can do that. Maybe in order to do that, you should include your spouse. You know, it's who should be on that team. And you set a deadline and say, we're going to go address this next. Um, and then, and you, you get into the, how might we question? So this is where you go from, what if I retire to, okay, if I'm going to retire, how might I pay the bills? Mm-hmm. So going back to our early example of an advisory board, now you have all these ideas, right? You're starting to look at them. How do you start to make sense and prioritize of what to start to do? You're going to take everything on the board. Your, your advisory group is helping you with this. So yep. this is a, you're not just going back and doing this yourself and you're going to categorize them. And for an overly simplistic kind of example, I've done this and just to kind of give you an idea what, how, how might we question looks and what are some of the close ended actions that come off of it. So how might we develop a life after work plan? So in this case, we've decided that's the most important thing to work on. What is mm-hmm. life after work? And some of the questions that supported that was, what will I do when I stop working? Yep. What is my role in the community with my family, with my coworkers? So maybe those are things that people have, you know, had helped you list out that were yep. concerning, but they're really going under that one main concept of how might we develop a life after work plan? So you got to do that first. You got to figure out for yourself because otherwise the planning is almost pointless. Um, if you're a business owner, the next logical question might be, well, how might we sell the business? Mm-hmm. Uh, notice the we in there. It's not just about you. It's about your support team helping you get that you know, ideal situation for you. Yep. What are my options? Like literally, what are the, how are the different ways that I could sell my business? What about my kids that work for me? Maybe your kids work in the business or other relatives work in the business. What's going to happen to their jobs? How much do I need to sell the business for? So these are questions that when I'm working with clients, a lot of times they have, but they're part of a, part of a bigger question is how might I actually sell the business or how might we sell the business? So those, those are questions that need to be answered to be able to check that off the list. Yep. How might we fund our life after work plan? So we've developed a plan. We've figured out what our options are for selling the business. You know, again, if you're not a business owner, that's fine. You can leave that part out, but. Now you got to figure out how you're going to fund this plan. So this is where some of the finance stuff comes in. Yep. How much more do I need or how much extra do I have? Do you need to save more? Mm-hmm. Do you have extra? Can you give some away? I don't know. How do I use my investments to support my income? So I've got investments, but how do I actually get money out of there? And what be- pension benefits should I take? Maybe you have a pension and maybe you got to figure out which of the 15 options they gave you, you want to choose. Yep. So again, those are all different questions that could have come up on the board. So somebody could have wrote pension on the board. Really, what are you saying? How do I use my pension? Well, what is that part of? That's part of the how you're funding life after work. How might we design and manage an investment portfolio that provides financial stability in retirement? You figured out, well, I'm going to need my investments to fund my plan. Now I got to have an investment plan. So yep. how are my current investments? What happens if the market crashes? What amount of risk should I be taking? Notice where that is. I mean, and this is a mock-up. There's a lot of things that you could get to depending on your situation before you get to sell me some investments. Yep. <laughs> but that's a big uh, paradigm shift too, right? Because if we go back to previous conversations yeah. dealing yep. with financial firms and individuals, 
they look at how many zeros do you have next to your name? And yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you versus what you're talking about is there's a lot that goes into laying that foundation before you even get to the investment conversation. Take your time, you know, and yes, time is valuable. You maybe don't have enough time. This is the rest of your life, your life you're talking about. And there is, um, and, and, and I think it's true. There's, there's quotes out there that people spend more time planning their next vacation than their entire retirement. Mm-hmm. And, and my experience says for most people, that's actually true. So take some extra time and, and figure some of this stuff out, but you're not gonna be able to do it alone. How might we teach your kids about managing money so that they know what to do with their future inheritance? This is a huge one I have. I have a lot of clients getting up towards their 70s that have large amounts of money they're gonna leave out to the kids. And they're looking at it a little bit concerned about whether or not the kids are gonna know how to handle that amount of money. So how do you, how do we help them? without spoiling them. We don't want to spoil them. We want to help them. We want to teach them life lessons so that they know what to do with this when it comes. But how do we teach them without lecturing them? Yep. And and this is a very, very powerful tool to get buy-in from your children. If you're struggling with trying to talk to the kids about college, Mm -hmm. trying to talk to the kids about saving for their own retirement, trying to talk to the kids about deciding where to live after college, you know, because of how much they make for, you know, their job and, and their career of choice and, and where they want to live. The, the, this type of, of facilitation that we've talking about, creating kind of like an advisory board with kids teaching them how to do this is huge. Well, and, and, and we've sat with enough people that have different family dynamics, different number of kids, um, you know, so there's no one size fits all. But people are self-aware enough, especially if they're married, uh, if they have children and they start talking about money and inheritances that they know in their lineup of kids or some of the kids better with money or some of the kids better with responsibility versus the other. So you might have, you know, mature children across the board. You might have three that are really mature and one that's not. Those are difficult conversations to navigate, but you're aware enough to know that there's these things in place. So you can't just avoid them. And I think what's helpful is, you know, as you said, take your time. I think what's hard for a lot of people though, is they don't always know when the next conversation is going to take place with a financial professional. You know, maybe they came in and it was euphoric at the beginning. Maybe they've made a change. They're hired a new advisor. They moved all their money to them. They have a a review to talk about what the money is doing. And then it's like, thanks for coming in, right? There's no idea of like, when am I coming back? What else am I going to talk about? So when you've talked about laying out this process that we've developed through this facilitation and how we do things the way we do, it's because every meeting has to have a purpose that builds upon the next, that builds a foundation two to three weeks apart. It's too hard for people to remember information three, four months later when there's a lot of energy into what they're talking about. So I think we've tried to navigate some of these examples, but we're giving them to you, right? So that if you have somebody you work with, start to implement these things. These are conversations that go beyond just products or go beyond just one-time conversations. You need to think at a granular level about some of these things because then the picture will become that much more clear to you. Okay, so maybe we've just totally blown your mind, given you a concept you've never heard about in terms of facilitation. You're already thinking about these group of friends. Uh, Some are yes people, some are no people. You got a hodgepodge of people in between. You're thinking about, right, now you want to start to do this. It can be overwhelming, right, to think about some of these moving parts. So Travis, if somebody wants to get started, maybe what's one thing that they want to try to avoid beginning this process? You have to keep in mind that we want to get started. We want to keep moving forward. But we need to do it in a way that is digestible for us, right? We don't want to choke 
on we want to introduce chaos specifically so in this case facilitation right um is creating a pathway for change so that's kind of like the tether the what if and the how might we questions are allowing us to invite all this outside perspective into our lives but package it right up and just stick it to a certain idea Mm -hmm. a certain thing that we're working on not changing everything just changing that one little thing at a time i'm going to change one thing at a time though one thing at a time if you're a business maybe you can do more than one thing because maybe you have a bunch of employees you can put teams onto things but in general for your personal self you're going to do one at a time for individuals we try to like you were talking about, do it about every two weeks. For businesses, it's like on a 90-day cycle um, because there's just process time that has to happen with that kind of stuff. But right. think about think about this as like an energy pendulum. So pendulums swing back and forth. So you're going to let it swing. You're working on a project. You're introducing all this activity, all this stuff you got to think about and get through and prioritize and get togethers with your advisory board and all that kind of stuff. And that's swinging out there Let's say it's swinging to the right and the pendulum gets about halfway up and it, and it runs out of steam. Basically, you get done with it and then it comes swinging back and it swings back the other way and you're not doing anything. You're just relaxing to the point where I almost think I should be doing something now. So then it swings back the other way and you work on the next step. So when I laid out in the last one, all the different how might we questions that's you're not doing all those at one time. You're doing right. one as the pendulum swings to the right catching your breath, letting it swing back, yep. regrouping and doing it again. So you're sprinting, you're recovering, you're repeating, right? It's a pattern or a rhythm. Um, you're not changing everything at once. You're controlling what is changing one step at a time. So sometimes people come in and they say, I need baby steps. Listen, you might need baby steps, but you might like, you might want baby steps, but you might need big change. Mm-hmm. So I might define baby steps for big change as every two weeks. And eventually you get a big change two years from now, (laughs) you know, maybe there's that much, it's not normally like that, or it might be, you know, you're thinking baby steps. Well, I'll do something now and then I'll come back three years from now. That's never going to work. You're never going to get where you need to go. Right. So it's, it's getting in a rhythm. I'm going to make one, one set of decisions, get one thing done, crossed off the list. It doesn't mean I can't come back and revisit it. Yep. But I need to get enough done that I can move on to the next item because yep. the next item is reliant on me getting the first, I got to build the foundation before I can build a roof. If you just start building a house and you don't put a roof on it and winter comes, what do you got? You got a ruined house. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get the roof on. So you've got to get done with this. You got to get the roof, the walls up, the windows in. Or you can never move into the house. It'll just, it'll sit there and rot. Right. So the same thing with this, get in a rhythm. It's a pendulum. You get some work done. Okay, take a deep breath, reassess, or not really reassess, but just kind of assess where you're at. Yep. Start the next phase. Yep. And when you get all done with the initial stuff, yep. there's gonna you're gonna find tons of other things back to that timeline of success, you know, looking at that timeline of of self-improvement. There's always gonna be more stuff to kind of re-engage and work look on that next chapter. Mm-hmm. But you've got to get the foundation set, the walls up, the roof on. And then you can continue to kind of tinker as you go along. Uh, so it's, I guess it's just pacing yourself. It's, it's realizing that you don't do this all overnight, but you yep. also 
This isn't a three, four, five-year process from a standpoint of um, implementing a change. We're not going and thinking about it for six months and coming back and redoing the exercise. No, you're starting the exercise. You're getting through the exercise. You're implementing the results of the exercise. And then if you want to do the exercise again, maybe on a different topic, you could do that. And this is a creative way of thinking that I've even used in my personal life, the things we've done at Seed that I've taken away. And it's exciting from just a personal antidote. You know, when we started doing this, at first it was a little awkward because none of us had ever done it. Uh, We had a smaller team at that time. I actually think what's helped our team grow is the way we've thought creatively about what growth can look like. And as we've grown and brought new team members in, it starts to trickle its way down the team and and everybody wants to do it. And the next group teaches the next group, teaches the next group that now when we show up at a facilitation, we all know what it is. And we're super excited because we've seen the results. It can be the same thing in these digestible steps that Travis just laid out for us. As you start to conquer the one piece and you come back, that group's going to be ready to now tackle the next. You know, we wouldn't want to take on uh, for ourselves an idea of can we expand? That's such a big, broad question. There's a lot of components moved into it. But if we start to tackle each component, then we understand kind of where the next one builds and some things we haven't thought about. So this is something that I think if you can start to grasp, you can use it in your personal life. You can use it if you're on a board of directors or if you own a business. So again, in our last episode, we talked about this idea of why is change so hard? Today, we've talked about the idea of unleashing some chaos. So as always, we hope this inspires you to go out and live your best life. We appreciate the time to chat with you today. You can leave a comment, subscribe so you never miss an episode. And until next time, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for listening. Ready to ditch the suits? Remember, it's your money and your life. For more information, visit seedpg.com. That's seedpg.com. If this podcast has impacted you, we ask that you subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. And be sure to share with a friend.